Listen, there's a great work to be done. As soon as you win this court battle, you must deliver this message. Take advantage of this opportunity and declare a powerful message to this world. He expects more of us. He believes we can do more. Who's going to stop Christ? Who's going to stop Christ from getting this work done? This is Behind the Work. Welcome to Behind the Work. I'm Grant Turgeon. What gets you really excited in life? I often imagine being on one of those TV shows where contestants are competing for a million dollar prize or being some kind of athlete who only makes huge money by winning. And I try to picture how much effort I would put in if I knew I had a chance to make a million dollars. What kind of effort would I put in to achieve that goal? Would I even be able to sleep at night if that kind of money were at stake? This is a pretty condemning thing for me to think about. Because I know that really money should not be that exciting. It shouldn't be the thing that would cause me to lose sleep at night. It shouldn't be something that gets me uh, motivated more than anything else. But that's just how we often are as human beings. We're just so focused on material things. And really, it's amazing how a lot of people in the world, motivated by money, can achieve the most remarkable accomplishments. They can invent things really beyond the scope of our imagination. They can do things that we once would have thought impossible the cutting edge of innovation and high accomplishment is often spurred by money. The pursuit of money, the, the pursuit of material things provides the motivation to reach new heights. And we see people out there who take full advantage and they become millionaires and billionaires. They become famous. They become successful physically just by having that worldly motivation. Now, Jesus Christ actually compared those successful worldly people to the children of light, to people who are trying to follow Christ and Christ actually said, well, those worldly people are wiser than you. They are wiser in worldly things than Christians are about spiritual things. They put in more effort to attain money and status than you do to achieve spiritual greatness. Like I said, 
$1 million is an awful lot of motivation, but it shouldn't be the thing that motivates us more than anything else. It just naturally is until we work to change our thinking about that. There should be something that gets us way more excited about life, about waking up in the morning than the thought of making a million dollars. God does give us something that we should be far more excited about. God does want us to learn to become more wise about spiritual things than worldly people are about physical things like money. As human beings, so often our thoughts can revolve around self. The late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong wrote about the self. He defined the self as not just the human body, but also the clothes we wear, our possessions, our schools, our social clubs, our sports teams, our families, of course. Anything that relates to us in any way, we have an automatic bias toward. We favor the self by default as human beings. We are innately selfish. God didn't make us that way, but there is an influence out there that causes us to think this way. So many things in life can become idols to us. God forbids idolatry. He forbids putting false gods ahead of him. And Mr. Armstrong said a God is anything we worship. Anything we put ahead of the true God becomes our God. It doesn't have to be a living thing. It could be an inanimate object. It could be money like we've been talking about. Money could be a God. It could be idolatry for us. It's amazing. Even something as good sounding as patriotism could be an idol. If that becomes our top priority, loving our nation at the expense of other nations, pitting our nation against others in some sort of a contest and trying to put down others, that can be idolatry as well. In a heart-to-heart talk with the editor from the May 1956 Plain Truth magazine, Mr. Armstrong wrote about idolatry, and he wrote about the excitement that worldly people feel for the self. And it's an excitement we all feel, even if we have become converted and part of God's church that natural excitement for the self is still there. Gaining material things for the self. Mr. Armstrong wrote about college football and how every single person on a college football team, plus all the students at the entire university and all of the locals, feel a deep connection to their college football team. Mr. Armstrong wrote, every student in the university feels a deep sense of patriotism, 
loyalty, enthusiastic fervor for that team. Only a very small percentage of students take active part on the team, yet every student feels it is his team. After a game, he does not say indifferently, I see the coach's team won another game. He says, with enthusiasm, we won again. Though he does not direct it, play on it, or have any personal part, he feels he is a part of it, feels a sense of deep partisan loyalty. He heatedly defends it against its critics. When the games are at home, he buys a ticket, sits in the stands, and yells his throat hoarse, cheering his team on to victory. And when a touchdown is made, he leaps into the air with wild shouts of joy. (laughs) That is an apt description. Sports is an idol in society. There are some nice aspects of sports, some... And some encouraging things we can take away from watching sports or playing sports. But then some people just let that control their entire lives. It can become a total addiction. I remember seeing a news report when I was younger of a man who was hopelessly addicted to sports. He had, I believe a dozen or more TV screens and every sports TV package he could find. And he felt like he had to see every single game that he possibly could of every major sport. So he'd put a game on all of these dozen or more TV screens and spend all day long, every single day, just binge watching all the sports he could possibly handle. He had an extreme fear of missing out on even one game. That was his life. It took away from his sleep. He didn't work anymore. It took over. Sports addiction took over. There was nothing else for him besides sports. It controlled every thought. It was his purpose in life to just watch sports. And how common is it for sports fans, maybe if they don't go to this extreme, to still get pretty riled up about sports? The word fan itself, in, in terms of a sports fan, that's short for the, the word fanatic. They are fanatics. They are zealots for their team. An extension of the self. They are wise in material things, like Jesus Christ said. And perhaps many of us have had stages in life where we got too excited about those types of things. Even though God gives us something so much better. Mr. Armstrong wrote, but what of the children of light? God has called us to a mission A thousand trillion times more important than football. Ours is the only truly great cause to preach and publish his gospel to the world, winning precious souls. 
that is the purpose God gives to us. That is what can replace material things and be our, our source of chief excitement. There is a gospel message to preach. Mark chapter 1, verse 14, it shows that Christ preached the gospel of the kingdom of God. That is the true gospel. That is the gospel that all the apostles preached. It's the gospel that God's true church has taught for almost 2,000 years. And yet that gospel is rarely proclaimed in the entire world. There are tens of thousands of different so-called Christian denominations. And yet only one church, only one work delivers the true gospel message. That just shows the power of the devil to distract people from what is truly important to get people focused on a false gospel about Christ himself. Now that false gospel is so destructive because it is possible to know who Christ is and still reject him and still refuse to believe what he actually taught. The Jews of Christ's day knew who Christ was. They understood that he fulfilled numerous Old Testament prophecies of the Messiah. But they refused to believe his message. Christ was talking about the kingdom of God. And the Jews had their own positions of authority given to them by Roman overseers. And these Pharisees didn't want to give up their puny positions of power. They didn't want Christ to overthrow the government that gave them their power. And they thought Christ was going to do this at that time. They thought Christ was going to set up his kingdom and overthrow the Roman government while he walked the earth the first time. They didn't want to lose their power. They were passionate about their worldly material things. They were excited about their little positions of power. They had the wrong priorities. And so, even though they knew better, they still persecuted and put Christ to death. All humans have our part in that. We all have sinned and put Christ to death. And it's likely that if we were in the same position, we would have done the same thing. But this wrong focus, this passion for worldly power prevented the Pharisees from believing the message that Christ taught about the coming kingdom of God. They just could not understand that message. They didn't realize that Christ wasn't going to set the kingdom up back then, and it still hasn't been set up quite yet. 
It is coming soon. The beginnings of that kingdom are in God's church today. But that kingdom has not been established. Once that kingdom is established, you will know. (laughs) It will overthrow every world government. And it will bring peace to all mankind. This will be a very obvious kingdom. Anyone will be able to see it. The thing is about the Pharisees, though, not giving up their positions of power and believing Christ, Christ could have given them way greater positions of power. He had so much more to offer them than the Romans did. He was ready to give them everything if they would have listened. John 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So Christ was talking about how he was going to establish his kingdom the second time he came to earth. He was going to ascend to his father in heaven, and then he was going to come back, this time with positions of authority to offer to us, to those who actually believed his message and supported delivering that message to the world. If the Pharisees had just believed Christ's message, they would have received way greater positions of power than the Romans gave them. They were simply too wrapped up in worldly things. They were wise in worldly material things. They cared about their physical positions of power. And they had no vision of a much better future that Christ was offering to them. So again, Mr. Armstrong said, ours is the only truly great cause to preach and publish his gospel to the world, winning precious souls. That's what God's work today through the Philadelphia Church of God is all about. Mr. Armstrong asks, should we not feel that God's work is also our work? Should we not support it with incessant, prevailing, heart-rending, believing prayer? (laughs) It's a funny way to describe prayer, to call it incessant. Generally, that word has a bad connotation. It's like being persistently, consistently annoying. So God wants us to ask him and plead with him over and over for the sake of the work, to treat his work like it's our own work, to be personally invested in God's work, the great cause, the only truly great cause. That is what should whip us up into frenzied excitement 
more than any football fan. We shouldn't be motivated by the self, but by this great cause. Mr. Armstrong said, it was, was challenging readers. Is it not first? He's talking about God's work. Is it not first above personal interest or material desire? And should you not feel a surge of joy when our work wins more and more souls as it is doing continually? Don't you just thrill when you hear the broadcast or read another magazine, realizing that scores of thousands of others are hearing and reading the precious message too? Many being brought to Christ. Is that our reaction? Do we understand that God's work is saving lives? Do we get more thrilled about that than we do about the possibility of winning a million dollars? Do we just feel a deep thrill? An irrepressible sensation of excitement? When God's work is being done, when open doors are appearing for God's work to move forward in Jerusalem on the Celtic throne tour and in countless other ways, are we thrilled? Are we excited? Are we wise in spiritual things more than worldly people are about material things? Are we more excited about this great cause of doing God's work than the most rabid football fan? Are we more excited than that guy who watches sports day and night, eats, lives, breathes, and sleeps sports? We should be. We should be more excited about God's work than anybody is excited about anything else. Because this is the only truly great cause. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Behind the Work. You've been listening to Behind the Work. Email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for a new episode each Monday at 12 p.m. Central Time. 